0: Don't tell
1: anyone I'm free Don't tell anyone I'm free
0: Hello and welcome to BSD Talk number 217. It's Saturday, June 30, 2012. Here's another interview from BSD CAN with a slightly different twist.
1: Okay, the numbers are rolling. Okay, hello. Uh, you're expecting Will Beckman here to do a nice interview, but for this BSD talk, we have turned out the walls. Uh, this is Paul Henkeveld, and I'm interviewing Will Beckman. <laughs> so hello, Will. Hi. <laughs> um, first question, who is Will Beckman? Well, let me see. I, I...
0: By day, I'm the director of technology for what is now three towns or three school districts in Maine. Uh, Basically, it's a school system, kindergarten through 12th grade, that um, is sort of, you could almost call it a single school system, but actually uh, they have their own school boards and slightly different technology teams and everything like that. And we've only been together as three towns for a couple years, so there's a, a fair amount of integration work going on trying to get all the systems and networks together. So that's by day and then by evening I, boy it's been since 1999 that I've been teaching at the University of Maine in Augusta for the Computer Information Systems Department and that uh, you know is is more of just a fun, fun part of my life even though they compensate me for it. Uh, It's a great opportunity to uh, teach not only Courses like Introduction to Computing and Networking, but also one of my favorite courses to teach is, is a Introduction to Unix course, which uh, is not specific necessarily to any version of Unix. So,
1: yeah, that's, that's what I do. Okay, so and when, and more importantly, why did you start BSD Talk? Yeah, BSD
0: Talk, I, what's nice is I get to say that I started it in 2005. But I think it was December 2005, so it, it almost makes it feel like an extra year, but I barely squeaked it in before 2006. And the reason I started doing BSD Talk is that many years ago, I worked for a nonprofit in Maine that had about nine offices spread across the state, 100 employees, and I was the sole um, tech person for a while before we had a, a database administrator come in and, and so he, he would also help out where he could. Um, and so I was driving around a lot and I was putting thirty to 40,000 miles a year on my car going to the various offices and one of the things that really helped my commute were podcasts. And I think this is roughly when podcasting was starting to become popular. And so it was, you know, I just had a whole bunch of podcasts. It was like um, going back to school. You could learn a lot listening to podcasts. But I As I was hunting around for various podcasts, I realized, wait a second, there's not a BSD-specific podcast out there. And uh, I think in the spirit of the open source world, um, when you see a need, one option, rather than complaining, is to do something about it.
1: Right. Um, Do you have any idea how large your audience is? Well, the only gauge that I have um, are the downloads.
0: But downloads are a very tri- tricky thing because spiders, bots, and various other things, you know, it's hard to know whether a download equates to a person or, or what it is. So when any show gets released, um, probably right off the bat, there's 3,000 or so downloads of the MP3 file and maybe two to 3,000 of the AUG file. Now, various shows get downloaded you know, even years later. So every, every month... You know, there might be a couple hundred downloads of any particular episode over the year. So I, I haven't really, I guess I'd have to sort of do an aggregate of all those statistics, which I haven't done at this point. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really, really hard to tell.
1: Okay. Um, how do you get your, fiction? oh, let me be frank. <laughs> How do you get the people you want to interview yeah, and you know, it,
0: sometimes like, at conferences like this I'm able to just uh, hide around corners and, and ambush people and ask them for interviews. The other thing that I'll do is read the project websites or um, like the FreeBSD newsletter and, and try and find projects that are of interest to me and uh, I also, I have a, a slightly broader definition of BSD. I generally, uh, I really mean any project that's under a permissive license. You know, in my mind, the BSD license is not the same as the BSD kernel or the operating system itself. And other licenses, you know, the MIT or the ISC license—they're all very similar. They're just permissive licenses. And part of my goal for the podcast, not just satisfying my own curiosity, um, is also to spread the word about the work that people are doing. And, and I hope to make places comfortable with the license itself. I think a lot of people might be initially afraid about releasing their software under a permissive license. You know, the fear that um, they're just going to be giving away everything and no one will give anything back. And So for me it's nice if people can hear that, that large companies with a profit motive are still willing um, to release things under this license and find that it doesn't wreck their business model.
1: Okay. Uh, did you ever decide to not publish an interview you took?
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, there's been interviews that, haven't, that I haven't published due to technical issues, either the sound quality. I mean, in my, <laughs> my standards for what's, you know, sound quality are fairly low because I don't have um, a lot of control often what happens on the other end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's been technical glitches or other things that have prevented something from, from going. Um, and the only other, you know, thing that I haven't published, at least on the MP3, so it was a weird one. When I interviewed Richard Stallman from the GNU project, Um, Due to his uh, stance against proprietary software and patents, he asked that it not be published as an MP3. So that one, there is a small MP3 for that episode that just says, hey, if you're listening to this on the MP3, you won't get it, you'll have to download the AUG file. Uh, So I mean, technically it was published, but um, it was more, you know, something
1: weird. Um, Do you edit your interviews before publication, and if so, with what software? Yeah, I, I do edit them, and you know, I think
0: editing interviews is always uh, a tough call because, one, um, you have to be careful that you don't edit it in such a way that you change the meaning or the intent of what people were talking about. And so you don't want to uh, twist their words through editing. Um, the other thing that I have to try and be careful about is that I don't lose the character and the nature of the person. I mean, the way somebody speaks is also part of who they are. And if you edit it too much, um, you can lose that sense of of who they are by the way they speak. But at the same time, um, I do like to pull out the occasional um and ah, particularly if somebody does that a lot. Um, It it has a couple benefits. One, it helps uh, just clean up the interview and make it flow faster. And also um, for a long interview with a lot of pauses, ums and ahs, um, I'm actually able to shorten up the interview and make it a smaller download and things like that. I'll also um sometimes get halfway down an answer or a question and then we'll stop and, and go back and, and start over again. So you know the, the, the general goal um is to make us both sound as intelligent and well spoken as possible. And you know this isn't um I, I you know I consider my podcast to be advocacy, not journalism. And I, I do try and be, you know, true to uh, the subject matter but at the same time people would consider them very softball interviews I'm not trying to you know badger the witness and and, you know hit them hard Uh, because I I do want it to be advocacy and I you know I do hope that it's a pleasant experience for people that I interview
1: okay and what tools do you use to edit your Uh, interviews?
0: Yeah, I I use the open source software Audacity to to edit the interviews chop them down Uh, and a couple years ago, um, there's a, a website um, or a group of people that do podcasts, and it's called the Conversation Network. And they released a really nice piece of software. Uh, it's based on Java, so it, it is relatively multi-platform, and it's called the Levelator. And what that does is help... Um, basically, a lot of people will use compressor limiters during, during an interview. And what the Levelator does is essentially is a compressor limiter uh, that happens after the fact. Uh, for relatively clean audio, it works pretty well. If you have a, a lot of noise in your audio, then you can sort of get this um, I'm-by-the-ocean sound to it where the noise level, you know, as it brings up the volume for someone who's speaking quietly, it brings up that noise. And then when the loud parts come in, the noise goes up and down. So I can't always use a level it's, it's It is frustrating when I'm not speaking with someone face-to-face you know where we're doing it over the phone or Skype, and then it might be going to their cell phone, and then they have a Bluetooth headset, um, and they happen to be wandering around a conference, a noisy conference floor. I really don't have a lot of control over the, the environment on the other end, and occasionally network uh, issues can happen in the middle. Uh, I was just recording one the other day, and Skype just started going crazy on me, and it's it's tough. I know some people, um, in the comments, have said that I you know if the audio quality is that bad, I shouldn't publish it because it just annoys them and. Uh, yeah I, you know my apologies to the people who um,
1: have low tolerance for poor audio I guess okay. um, who is at the top of your list of people you've always wanted to interview Wow um, in that you know I guess there's a, the dual purpose
0: of the podcast um, you know, looking back and, and also looking forward uh, so you know I haven't interviewed every person involved with the original development of BSD. You know, let's say Bill Joy from Sun Microsystems, um, or formerly of Sun Microsystems. I, you know, I'd love to hear that, that story. Um, you know, it would have been lovely um, to interview Steve Jobs because, uh, you know, he, he made a choice when he went to Next as to what kind of technology he was going to put under the, under the hood for that and also in Mac OS X. I mean, I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't know how in, how much he contributed to that decision to go with the BST user land. And to me I think that would have been a really fascinating, fascinating story. Um, but that's you know, that's sort of looking back at, at the BSTs, and then there's sort of a looking forward. And um, it's almost like I don't know who's going to pop up as being uh, you know someone with a story to tell. Uh, you know, I think any of the project leaders and also the people who are just contributing little things um, are, are, you know, have a valuable thing to tell. So uh, I don't know if I have a specific list, particularly because some people are, are really reluctant to talk. You know, they're 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 very modest and they don't necessarily feel that um, they want to put themselves in the spotlight. So, but really, end users, people who work on documentation, um, it'd be fun to do an interview with somebody that really dislikes the
1: BSDs. You know, that that would be something fun and interesting to do. So. Okay. Um, is there anything worth knowing about BSD Talk that you'd like to tell? Um, well, if anything, I would say that this interview itself uh, is
0: unusual about BSD Talk. Um, I generally uh, don't mention myself much in the podcast and I want the focus to be on the people that I'm interviewing. Um, the other thing is I don't, um, I don't really do this for money, I do it for fun. Uh, I just go to the, the conferences at, on vacation time, usually. Uh, this isn't sponsored by anyone, I don't do any AdSense, um, it's you know, sort of my way of, of giving back to the people that are, are working so hard. I, I feel that if you're, if you're not paying in money for your software, at least for me personally, I feel that I'm obligated then instead to pay with time you know if, if i encounter a bug or something that doesn't work rather than throwing up my hands and saying oh this is terrible it doesn't work i feel well my obligation is to try and help um submit a good patch or in this case you know do a podcast um so i think that's sort of the general thing about VSD is it's just this is just something i do for fun and uh you know it's it's been a great experience for me and i'm really um surprised and, and, and happy how willing people have been to speak with me, and it's just a, a great community.
1: Okay, so how did, it fo- uh, how did it feel to answer the questions <laughs> instead of asking them? Yeah, no, it's it's good, it's fun. Um, and yeah,
0: it is weird having the tables turned. Uh, and I just, uh, well, thank you for for um, being uh, easy on me during, during this interview also. So.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for giving an insight on what's behind the scenes of BSD Talk and and more importantly, the person behind BSD Talk. It was was very nice interviewing you and uh, I'm looking forward to all all the next interviews that are on BSD Talk. Great, thank Thank you. you.
0: If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com and if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com that's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 217.